It is really, really good to be here with you today. And uh, after a long, long break, it seems like it's been far too long, we're able to gather together. I know you were together last Sunday with uh, Fred, who did such a great job as he spoke. And, uh, you know, I said to several people after last Sunday, there's something intangible that I sensed about us being together again, something different. And, you know, really that difference is the presence of Christ among us by his Spirit. We are united as one people to worship God. And uh, being at home is great, and glad that there are folks watching us today and so forth. My goodness, being here is good, isn't it? And I want to welcome you. You know, what I'm really excited about is I don't have to preach to a camera anymore. That is no fun, this little box, 10 feet away from you, and you're yapping away at it and preaching your heart out to a little box. I got real people to talk to now, and I'm, I'm very, very thankful. I'm excited about that. Just a couple of uh, comments before we jump in. Um, Gerda is here. Where's Gerda? I saw her earlier. Hey, back there. Now, Gerda has served as one of the uh, kitchen managers, I think they're called, for the Raw Carrot, our, one of our ministries downtown, and she's done that for several years in a fantastic way. Uh, Gerda's decided to step back, and uh, we regret that, but this is for the best for Gerda. We understand that, and we just really wish you God's blessing as you, as you do that. But we really want to thank you, Gerda, for faithful ministry with a great heart, and obviously, Gerda's done this out of our love for the Lord Jesus, and uh, we, we thank you. We want to let you know how much we appreciate you today. We are doing interviews. That's sort of the business manager side of it. Amber Lee McLaughlin, many of you know, is the kitchen manager who works with staff and actually doing most of the cooking. But if you have any interest in that, let us know right away. Interviews are scheduled, and uh, they'll come soon. Second thing, please be aware that when you arrive on a Sunday morning, we essentially have assigned seating. You might not know that, but that's why we've asked everybody to register on a Saturday, because we set up groupings for the number of people and the size of families, etc., that actually come. And uh, please, uh, please uh, if you're assigned a seat, please stay there, and they'll just help us do things well. And um, thank you to you two guys for sitting in the front row. You know, you get the best view. You know, you get to see me, uh, you know, make mistakes and fumble and so forth. So uh, we sometimes have to use those front seats. So please uh, engage them as, as uh, you're encouraged to. Um, looking at my notes. Essentially, I'm going to pray. I, you know, I want to pray to thank God that we're here. That uh, really it seems that COVID's on the run, finally. And I'm going to pray that God would uh, work so that Really, we see the end of it in these coming weeks and months. We're ready for that, aren't we? And, um, you know, as we all observe the practices that we're called to and engage in ways that the officials are asking us to, and as God works, let's just pray that uh, we see the end of that nonsense and we get back to being the church of Christ again, joining together in worship and in service, love for God, love for one another. So let's pray now. Lord God, we're just uh, really thankful to be here. And we recognize it as something unique and distinct and even powerful about your people coming together to worship you, to sing these songs of praise, Lord, to, to hear a sermon preached and, and, and to hear the truth of the word of God and then to be able to respond to it in our hearts. Um, Lord, we thank you that Jesus has promised where even two or three gather together, there he would be in the midst. And we recognize your presence today, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that presence. And we pray that you would accomplish your purposes in our lives, whether we're at home, whether we're here. Come, Lord Jesus, and, and move in us. 
accomplish your purposes in our lives and in this world through us. So we, we give you this time which we're entering into now, a consideration of your word. Um, Lord, as we open it up, we pray that your truth would make impact and that we would know your will for our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to start a series today. I just realized I didn't pray about COVID, did I? Did I? I'm going to pray again. Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, we do come to you, and, and we are thankful that um, COVID is in great decline in our country, and uh, we thank you that, that this is happening. We thank you for all the officials and the work that they've done, and nor the supply of vaccines that we have prayed for that is abundant, that is abundant now. Uh, Lord, our, our prayer continues that, Lord, by your work, COVID would be eliminated, that we would be rid of it, that we could move beyond having to deal with it and, and be concerned about it. So, Lord, we pray that you would guide all of us in, our, in the church, within our community at large, in our country, to engage as we are led by you to see the end of this thing. Um, and, Lord, we pray by your Spirit that you will bring healing to our land. And we think of those people right now, Lord, who are really sick with COVID, and we pray for their healing. God, uh, we know that you are sovereign God. You have allowed this. You have accomplished much within it. We believe that. But Lord, we pray now that you will lead us beyond this thing, this scourge, this pandemic that we have lived with, that we might know uh, normal, good life again. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to start a series today, which I hope will be really meaningful for you. Um, that's always the case, actually, when I preach <laughs> and choose a series. I feel led to them all. I pray and I think and I, I, I seek with all of my heart to um, hear and, and follow the leading of God in these things. But it's essentially a series about the problems in your life. What are the problems in your life right now? I bet you if I went around to every person, you would be able to identify several. Because, of course, uh, we all deal with these realities. I don't want to so much deal with the problems as the cause of the problems. And I hope as we deal with the cause of some of the problems in your life that you will see real change over the, even over these next few weeks. I don't want to call this a magic bullet, but in some ways it will be if we engage the things that Scripture calls us to engage and we are able to move beyond the struggles which we know. And assess, in essence, the source of the trouble I want to talk about is evil, which is at work in the lives of God's people. Now, Ephesians 6 is the, if you would, the classic passage in the New Testament about this reality. And I'm going to read it to you, and we're going to move to another passage in a minute or two, actually. A couple of passages, but this is the foundational one for this series. We're going to look at it in more detail next week, but it's a great introduction to the reality of evil in our lives. That's what I want you to know today. I want you to see that it's there. I want you to know that devil is, the devil is at work. He has schemes, this text will tell us. He comes against us. He attacks us, to use Paul's phrase. We have got to know this. We have got to deal with it constructively so as to be able to be protected from it, to know the life that God has for us in Christ. So I'm going to read this, and uh, we'll jump in. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord. Isn't that a fantastic way to begin this discussion? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You hear that, IPC? Us as a church, each of you individually, 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, it doesn't say if, it says when, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This text is so clear. If you're a biblical Christian, if you believe what the Bible has to say to us and, and that God's truth comes to us through Scripture, you'll recognize that our struggles are against spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Now, my big question today is not only do you know it, do you do anything about that? Or is that just something that happens in your life uh, without any focused attention? You know, just do a quick biblical scan. It says in John chapter 10, that the devil, the thief, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Do you take that seriously? In your life, in our church, in our world, he comes to kill, to steal from us what is ours in Christ, and to destroy our well-being. Jesus said he came that we might have life and life have, it to the, have life to the full. What does the devil want to do with that life? Kill, steal, and destroy it. You know, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, I'm actually going to read that one for you because it's, it's so significant in terms of what um, is written in, in actually in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, chapter 5, verse 8 of 1 Peter, be alert and of sober mind. And again, I'm challenging you. Are you alert to these dynamics and realities? And do you have sober mind about it? Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to... Say it with me. Devour. He wants to eat us up. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is uh, undergoing the same kind of suffering. Listen, this is, this is our, can I call it our lot in life? Not a bad lot. It's just reality according to the biblical story. We have an enemy who wants our harm. This verse uses the word devour. It's like he's like a, the devil's like a lion who comes along to a little lamb. And you probably want to turn your eyes away, but you know what happens when the lion attacks the lamb. When you attach the word to devour, to kill, steal, and destroy, you're beginning to understand what the devil wishes to do in our lives. I'm not wanting to over-dramatize this or to be scary. It's just that we have an enemy, so the Bible says. And we have to deal with that enemy realistically. What, what is the suggestion? Well, if we have that enemy who wants to kill, steal, destroy, and devour, think about your marriage. If you're married, God wants to the devil wants it destroyed. God wants it to thrive. Think about your health. Is, does the devil have anything to do with ill health? Sometimes he does, so says Scripture. Think about your church. My goodness. Think about your emotional well-being. The list is long. 
My friends, we have to give attention to this. We have to be of sober mind to this. We have to be alert to these attacks and watch for it so that in the end, as the sermon title suggests, we are going to stand firm. We don't have to be bowled over by this. We don't have to be destroyed by this. We don't have to be torn limb from limb by this. But we had better be attentive to this or we might end up in a sorry place. See, the, the idea that Peter brings us here about this alertness and sober mind and standing firm, it's just the same as Ephesians 6 where there's a Roman soldier who is protected by armor so that when the attack comes, it's defensive armor armaments, he will stand firm. Same phrase. And he will be able to deal with what comes and be well and good in the end. Now, just before we jump into some particulars, understand that not all, all our problems come from the direct a- action of evil. The Bible has a triad of describing where our struggles come from, the flesh, the world, and the devil. The flesh is very simply our normal and good desires which God has given to us, which have, which have been twisted. They're, they're, they, have, they have been, if you would, gone awry. You know? Keeping us from the life that God desires for us. So, you know, some people might enjoy food, but it can become gluttony really quickly. That desire takes over, and we step out of honoring God in the way that God w- might want it. The whole idea of sexuality, it can become lust, which of course causes all kinds of trouble. The Lord says to us, be careful of those desires and learn to live in a way that is good. You know, God wants us of good things in our lives, material possessions, but that can become greed. We can desire good things, like a home and a car, but don't let it become greed. Our, de- our, our desires need our attention. The second thing after the flesh is the world. The world, let's think of it simply as a system of values and thought. What's really important, how we think, which leads us to how we act. Of course, God has a world, uh, has a system of values and thought which produces action. But this world of ours, this culture in which we live, their values and th- their thoughts are contrary to the values and the thoughts of God. And that, that whole system that we live in is powerful often in our lives. That, that value, that way of thinking, that way of, of acting, we can easily get drawn into it and become like the world. And it, it's just to our detriment. It's to our harm. You know, God gives us money. He blesses us with money, resources, to provide for ourselves and our families. We can have clothing. We can have homes. We can have vehicles to drive around from place. Uh, on and on to God. God wants to bless us, and he has. But as you know, when we come to love money... We have put the created thing above the creator. We live for this, not for God. And it just brings all kinds of heartache and difficulty into our lives. I want to read to you First John. Um, I've realized in each of these two topics that I've described to you, the flesh, the world, and the devil, I could do a series on each of them. Maybe I will. But it says in First John chapter uh, 2, verses 15 and 16, these words, Do not love the world or anything in the world. Do you? Good question, huh? If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. Wow. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. You see, the world offers us much, but it'll take us from God. And it'll take us from that abundant living that Jesus has for us. So we've got this, the, the, this, this tri-factor, the flesh, the world, and that leaves us then with the devil. And this is our focus for the next few weeks. The devil will influence our lives. The devil will attack our lives. You know, that's, that's what the soldier is prepared for, an attack. We have to be prepared for the lion who wants to devour us. It's an attack. 
so in your marriage. If you're married, the devil wants it, listen to me, he wants it destroyed. I'm going to say this with utter confidence. Because this is a gift of God to you. This is something whereby you can know life and love and joy and goodness. The devil doesn't want you to know that. He would rather literally destroy it. And if he can't destroy it, he just wants it miserable. You know? So much less than what God has for you. You know, the, the devil works by one of his key mechanisms is division. He will divide you as husband and wife if he can. Don't let it happen. Uh, the devil would love to see um, your, your kids and their spiritual lives destroyed. And those of you who are young here today, you know, be so aware of this. It's not just you, but as you're entering into to life and into adulthood and you are really considering seriously the things of faith, there is one who will do all in his power to keep you from embracing a faith a life of following Jesus and making him your priority and your love. Don't let it happen. He'll be at work. The church, the, you know, wouldn't the devil love to destroy the work of God in the church? You know, I could go on and on. Your health. Jesus, so many times, healing comes in the lives of people through Christ in the Gospels when he casts demons out of people's lives. Dark angels. It's, it's, a, it's a simultaneous reality. Now, not every physical illness is caused by the demonic, but some of it is. And how about your emotional well-being? You know, I'm going to tell you a story about my life about just about a month ago. Um, I was just having, it was on a weekend, it was on a day off, I believe, and I was just having a bad day emotionally. I was really down in an uncharacteristic way. Uh, we're going to talk about how the devil is schemes and he will attack us in our area of vulnerability. Often those vulnerabilities come from our history and our woundedness and, and so forth. We become more vulnerable to, to what he might do. And I've told you many times, I was a huge people pleaser when I started ministry 30 years ago. And I'm still, I'm, I still am a little bit, but not like it was. It's like God has done so much there. But I still, I prefer to please people. And when I don't sometimes, I can feel pretty badly about it. When I am criticized and, you know, the negativity comes my way. Well, in this instance, it just, I believe with all my heart because of what I'm about to tell you, that got amplified over and over and over again. I was thinking, everybody hates Chris. <laughs> kind of like that, right? That's a bit of an exaggeration. But I was struggling. Um, and it was difficult. Well, halfway through my day, <clears throat> excuse me, the thought hit me. This could be of evil. You know, I, I have to admit, the thoughts are coming more quickly now than they used to, but it still takes me a while. I'm just a little, you know, sick. But I thought, this could be of evil, so I did what I've learned to do. I prayed against the presence of evil in my life by, in the name of Jesus. And I then spoke verbally, audibly, in the, in the authority of Christ, again, against any evil presence in my life. And yeah, I'm going to teach you how to do that. And I would say within 10 minutes, I was fine. It was like this dark cloud just lifted from my heart and my mind. It was remarkable. Now, I've experienced that before which caused me to think of it in the instance. And I don't want to tell you that every time you're depressed, it's because of the work of the enemy, but sometimes it is. Because the enemy just doesn't want you to know joy. He doesn't want you to know contentment. He doesn't want you filled with gratitude. He wants you thinking negatively. He wants you to believe his lies. Um, and we have got to be alert to this. We've got to deal with it in a constructive way. You know, in the end of the day, my friends, we, we, we have all of these areas in our lives where the devil attacks. The devil attacks churches. The last thing on earth the devil wants is for the people of God to be effective for the Lord. If the devil can influence a church, if the devil can, 
come among God's people and divide a church so that it's ineffective through conflict, you know, he would prefer nothing more. Because then the things that God wishes done in this world, people coming to Christ, the world being, you know, impacted for the sake of justice and of goodness, people knowing the love of God, it would just cease. It disables the church when the attack comes at times. I want to let you know something this morning, that the elders of this church began a process of spiritual warfare, I'd say, six weeks ago. We became aware of the need for it, and I don't want you to freak out about this. I don't want you to get overly anxious about it. Because what I'm saying to you today is this is normal. This is what we have to deal with all the time. And if it's not now that we're dealing with something, probably in six or 12 months we'll have to deal with something else. But listen, we became aware of the need. We invited a man in with special training. Bruce Fligg is his name, and he's been a great help to us. He's led us through a couple of sessions. He's going to lead us through another one at least in order to deal with the work of evil, which we believe in some instances is at work here. Because as we do this, as we are alert to, and as we constructively deal with the schemes of the devil, the devil will be defeated. His influence will be destroyed, and we will be freed to become everything God wants us to be. So today, I'm officially asking you as a congregation, those of you who are here, those of you who might be watching at home, um, I want you to, would you pray daily for us as elders as we engage this still? I'll, I'll let you know when it's sort of done. Um, but on a daily basis, will you pray against the presence of evil and the work of evil in IPC? Uh, pray particularly for your elders because it's the leadership of the church that is most vulnerable to attack, if I can put it that way. You know, Bruce Flig uh, said to me what I knew. You know, he said, you're the lightning rod. You're the, you're the shepherd of the flock. If, if evil's going to, in this instance of spiritual warfare, take a run at somebody, it'll be you. I knew that. So pray for me. <laughs> pray for all of us as elders as we engage in, engage in this rea reality. I'm telling you this, A, to get you to pray, but B, to get you to see the reality of the world in which we exist as followers of Jesus. It's just the way it is. Now, I want to tell you, as you think about the Ephesians 6 passage, and I know we're jumping around a little bit today, but the images of a soldier, Paul is probably chained to this soldier. He's in prison. And, and before him stands this man, this warrior. Uh, he is in this armor, and it becomes for Paul this demonstration of how we can be fully protected from the attack of an enemy. And we're going to dig into this, as I've said next week, and we're going to learn that when the attack comes, if we engage through our awareness, through being alert, through doing what Scripture calls us to, in the end, we will stand firm. The goal of that Roman soldier with that particular armament was to have an attack come against him and not be bowled over, not be killed, not to be harmed, not to be destroyed. That's to be us. Now listen, let me tell you this. By implication, the attacks will come. In the Scripture, it doesn't say that they won't. It says that they will come. But we have to be prepared for them when we come. And that's what I want to encourage you in as we go forward. I'm going to take a leap from Ephesians 6 to the, another passage in the Old Testament, actually, which is going to illustrate everything I've told you. I think it's really a great text, although that's a little unorthodox for preaching, I must say. But we're going to go to a story that, that illustrates the spiritual dynamics of spiritual war in your life and in mine and in our life, our life together. As I read from 2 Corinthians 6, it's the story of Elisha. Um, in one instance, observe where God's people have an enemy, number one, who want to kill. Watch and see what spiritual warfare looks like as this man of God does some things that are incredible for the Lord. So, 2 Kings, chapter 6, 
That's not 2 Kings. I must have moved my tab. Chapter 6, verses 8 to 18. says this. Now the king of Aram was at war with, the, with Israel. Okay, you got it? Already? People of God, they have an enemy. You drawing the parallel? We have an enemy. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place, scheming in order to win the battle. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. He thought he had an, a mole within his ranks, informing. None of us, my lord, the king said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> How does that happen? God's leading him. King of Aram says this, Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force. Note the words there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of, of the servant. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, the attack is coming, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Oh my goodness, that is filled with relevance for your life and mine. Filled with it. We're going to make our way through this. What does this mean? Number one, very simply, Again, as Elisha had an enemy, as God's people had an enemy in that location, we have an enemy. I can't say it enough, often enough. We need to be realistic about, realistic about this. We've got to accept the reality because, you see, if we don't do so, we will be vulnerable to the attack. We will be like sitting ducks to the devil. It'll be easy to bowl us over and to harm our lives and to destroy that which God wishes to play out in our experience. The blessings that God has for us will be taken away. As we go through this, I want you to be asking the question of yourself, both now a simple whispered prayer to the Holy Spirit, asking him to enlighten your mind would be good. But whether it's now or over these next weeks, can you ask the Lord, God, where is the enemy at work in my life? I would be surprised if everybody didn't have an answer to that question. So ask the Lord that. Right now, what's that enemy doing? But more than anything else, we cannot be naive about our place as the people of God and the circumstance that we will find ourselves. We have to be alert to his schemes and to his actions. Number one, we have an enemy. Number two, <clears throat> excuse me, the attack will come against those who are blessing God and blessing God's people, as Elisha was. You see, Elisha was incredibly effective for the people of God. King Aram would plan an attack and Elisha would know from the Spirit of God and he'd tell the king of Israel, it's, you know, it's going on and the king of Israel would take the action that was necessary and no harm came. And I want to tell you this, if you are engaged in the mission of God in this world of ours, 
If, if you are being used by the Lord in any fashion, bringing the blessing of God in the lives of other people, you better be prepared for the attack. Because the enemy is going to want to take you out, just as the king of Aaron wanted to take out Elisha. You know, you might be engaged downtown. That's frontline stuff. Raw carrot, or downtown ministry. You might be engaged in leading children or teenagers to faith in Jesus and helping that, them come to that place of great commitment to the Lord Jesus. Do you think the enemy wants that? You might be a, a, a small group leader. You might be an elder in our churches, I have said. Whatever it is, that, if you are engaged in the work of God and you are accomplishing the purposes of God in this world so that the kingdom comes in power, guess what? You're a target. Now, I'd, again, I don't want anybody to freak out about this. This is normal. I'm not telling you anything that wasn't the case last week or last year or two years before that. What I am saying is we've got to become really aware of this and constructively deal with it in order to stand firm in the end and continue to be effective for God. Just a side note, if you're not engaged in the mission of God, all I can say to you is you might have less, not none, but less of the enemy's influence in your life, but God calls you to be engaged in the mission of God. If you are a servant of Jesus, it means to serve as he served. It means to get caught up in the action of God in this world to bring the kingdom of God. And I would say to you as we think about ministry coming, your life today, know that's who you are. Don't allow this to keep you from engagement in the way Christ intends it. Number, number three, when this happens, we will be tempted to fear. I wouldn't be surprised if right now there are people who are afraid because of what I'm saying. If, if you don't have experience with these things, if you haven't thought about these things, if you've never exercised the authority of Christ in a powerful way, you get afraid. Well, what I want to say to you today is exactly what Elisha said to the servant. See, the servant came along, he, he came out in the morning, he saw horses and chariots surrounding the city. How would you feel? You know, an, en an enemy about to attack? The servant said, Oh Lord. Uh, in this translation, it wasn't quite that, was it? But what shall we do? What shall we do? And I, I want to I suggest, um, there's almost a panicky sound to that. What are we going to do? <laughs> Look at them. They're big men. They're horses and chariots. We have no army. We're defenseless. We're going to get slaughtered. The lion's going to attack the lamb. Now, listen to me. It is the most natural thing in the world to fear when you hear these things. But I want you to hear Elisha's response to the servant when he said, don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, I, I said in the first service that I, I'd love to know the number of times that phrase is used in the Bible or a version of it, fear not, or, and so forth, because it is Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Well, two people, one by text, <laughs> who wasn't even here this morning, one who was with me, said it happens 365 times. I said, you're kidding. And the guy said, yeah, one for every day. And if indeed that's the case, that's incredible. Every single day we should be hearing from God that we have no need to be afraid because we don't need to fear. You see, the, the devil has two primary tools one of them is is to lie jesus called the devil the father of lies he will deceive and very often through his deception he will divide and the second the second uh, weapon is fear 
Someone once said to me, you know, uh, God is not in fear. He never is. <laughs> when we're in God, when we're dwelling in his truth, when our faith is at a, as, 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 as it should be, we will fear nothing because we have God on our side. You know, we do not need to be afraid in this discussion, in this engagement with evil. Elisha knew it. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God was powerful. And he didn't have a care in the world because of that fact. You see, what Elisha said to the servant is, those with us are more than those against us. Isn't that amazing? Army surrounds this city. And like, no, we're, we're, we're part of a greater power. I don't need to be afraid of them. Horses and chariots and all these tough guys in armor with swords. Ah, we're fine. You know how the New Testament puts it? Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And I'll say to every single believer here, if Christ dwells in you by his spirit, if you have opened your life to him, if you have given your life to him fully and completely with passion, to follow after him, greater he is he who is in you, the Spirit of God, than he who is in the world. And you don't need to be afraid because you are safe in Christ. I love this next point. What do we learn from this passage? Well, what happens next is Elijah prays and the eyes of the servant are opened to see the spiritual force that surrounds him which God had provided Really cool when you take time to dwell on this passage. I'd encourage you, if, if you need a passage this week to dwell on every single day, to read and say, Lord, open my eyes, my eyes so I can see your truth in it, take this text and more verses which are to come than what I read and, and just dwell in it. Because you see, the reality is, what it says is the servant saw horses and chariots surrounding the city. What, is, what, is, what does he see when God opens his eyes through Elisha's prayer? He sees the hills which... Um, are full of horses, not just horses, full of horses. And he doesn't see the chariots that the enemy has. He sees chariots of fire. You see the point the scripture is making? This force of God is way more powerful than the force of the king of Aram. But the critical piece in this, the critical piece in this is what Elisha did in order to overcome that enemy. First of all, he opened, he prayed. And he opened the eyes of the servant so the servant could see what he saw and what he knew. So the servant wouldn't need to be afraid. And then, what does he do? He prays. And he prays that God would blind the army which opposes him. Do you get the connection? He prayed so that the eyes of the servant might be opened to see the army of God. And then he prays so that the opposing army might be blinded. Now, if you're a blind army, you can't fight a war. You are impotent. You are powerless. There is no battle because they don't even know where the battle is. And even if they were engaged in the battle, they'd all get slaughtered. Imagine fighting with your eyes closed. It's, it's over. It's done. How, how did that non-encounter, how did that victory on the part of God's people happen? It happened through one man who prayed. And here's what I want to tell you right now. If you're in Christ, if you were filled with the Spirit, if you're living before Him, and we're going to talk about putting on the breastplate of righteousness next week and so forth, filled, you know, the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, you have incredible power through prayer. 
It's given to you by God. You and I are authorized by Christ to pray in His name, to speak by His authority, as I did when I struggled with a depressed day a month ago. And if we will do that, the enemy will flee from us. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, Scripture says. Do you understand the power that you have spiritually in order to overcome the lesser power of evil? No, power of evil is greater than us. But the power of evil is infinitely less than the power of God. So don't be afraid, my friends. And start even here to understand how we are to deal with the reality of evil in our lives, particularly when that attack comes. Pray. And unleash the power of God on your behalf and on our behalf. It's an amazing thing. The power of prayer. You know, I, di I didn't read the story, but I'm just going to tell you briefly, I think, about it. Um, after this happens, what Elisha does is he then leads the army of Aaron to the location where the king of Israel is. Now think of that in itself. The man of God leading the enemy. He's now the leader. He is now in charge. He has authority. But he leads the army to where the king is, and the king says, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? You know what Elisha says? No, don't kill them. Don't kill them. Listen to me. I don't know why God doesn't destroy evil. Sometimes I'd love him to. I'd love him to snap his fingers and pff, gone. Especially when I'm struggling in the battle. Someday God will. Revelation tells us that. That's what hell it was created for, the devil and his angels, his dark angels. That'll happen. And someday we'll be free of this nonsense. I don't know why God doesn't destroy evil, but he chooses not to. Now, we could probably spend a long time talking about why, but could it be that it is there that we learn to rely on the Lord more than at any other place in our lives because we know we need him and his power? Is it there that we're going to see God do some remarkable things in our lives? If the devil attacks us in our area of vulnerability, weakness, maybe it is there, and because of that attack, ultimately we end up more healed, more, more full in, in Christ. It's probably there that we're going to see God answer prayer and move in power. And to use the phrase of a pre previous series, is it there in this engagement with evil, that we're going to see the glory of God like we've never seen it before? Very possibly. Is it there we're going to exercise the power of Christ in a way that we never have before? Likely. You see, God doesn't destroy evil, but God uses evil to bring glory to his name and ultimately to bring blessing into our lives. But that will only happen when we engage evil in the way the Bible tells us to. Otherwise, we get bowled over and we just struggle and hurt and suffer and we're the vulnerable sitting duck. My friends, I don't want you to be the vulnerable sitting duck. I want you to learn how to deal with this in a Christ-like way. Final comment. I want you to know that God is powerful and that he will exercise his power through you. I want you to know that uh, evil um, has been defeated in the cross of Christ. It's a defeated enemy. I want you to know that um, Jesus has triumphed over evil. His resurrection. He has triumphed over this enemy of ours. It's not a question anymore. 
I want you to know that you have no reason to be afraid as we engage the battle, but I do want you to know the battle comes. And it is my prayer, my hope, my anticipation that the next time it comes into your life, you're going to be better equipped, maybe, than you have been to this point as we seek the mind of God, the instruction of God, the way of God, so that we might know the power of God exercised through our lives and ultimately know abundant life, the blessings that God has for us versus what the devil seeks to do. My friends, you can stand firm in the end. You can as you follow the teaching of Christ, as you follow in the way of Jesus, and as we live according to the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, each of us um, struggle to some degree with the work of the enemy in our lives, sometimes much more than at other times. But Lord, for all of us who are in Christ, the attack comes. And we pray that you will show us how to repel it. We pray, Lord, that you will show us how to exercise the, um, the authority of Christ which has been given to us. And we pray, Lord, that we will make our way through those attacks to a better place to greater healing, to more abundant life, to richer marriages, to deeper faith. Lord, to, to stronger emotional well-being, physical well-being. Lord, to a church that is just filled with your spirit and powerful for the kingdom. But Lord, in these days, I pray now that you will protect IPC. As we consider these dynamics, Lord, um, we will be catching the attention of evil, but we pray for that hedge of protection around us so that evil, in the end, can't destroy us or, or kill us or, or, or harm us significantly, Lord. Allow us, Lord, to stand firm when the attack comes as we follow simply in the way of your word. Thank you, Lord God, for Christ and for his victory on the cross, for his triumph over evil and resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that evil is a defeated force that we simply need to deal with and can deal with in a biblical way. Bless these people, Lord. Show them your glory in these days. And help them to know what it means to deal with the schemes of the devil in a way that will lead to victory. In these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.